It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh, and I am talking with one of the reporters who was not only there on January 6th, he has been following all of the twists and turns of the January 6th committee, writing for Rolling Stone and for his own newsletter, The Uprising. Hunter Walker, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, Jess. Now, I was, I've, I've been fascinated by a lot of the things that you have written over the last year, um, or one year minus six days, I guess, just about. Um, but but the, your latest kind of floored me, and, and it re- made me realize that, that we needed to have a longer conversation. So your latest was about January 6th organizers who, who bought burner phones in order to talk directly to the Trump family. So I guess I want to start with a very open-ended question, which is after a year of reporting, how much coordination, how much direction can we say was happening between those people who breached the Capitol and planned to do so and those in the White House themselves? So, you know, first off, I, I, I would encourage people, if you if, if you look me up on Rolling Stone, there's there's a couple recent stories. Um, there's also some on the uprising at the uprising dot info. Um, and actually, the most most recent one um, was about these two organizers who've come forward and kind of um, gone on record for the first time and named um, some of hey, their this is a major switch in this in this conversation. Like this is we haven't we haven't seen this yet. Yeah, exactly. And these are some folks who spoke to the committee last week, um, you know, and detailed some of what they saw. The burner phone story was, I think, the second to last. Forgive me, I'm having trouble keeping track of this. <laughs> so point. am I, clearly. Yeah. Um, and that one was basically from an, another source um, who, you know, alleged that Amy and Kylie Kramer, and this was backed up by some other people, um, I always try to go for multiple confirmation, Amy and Kylie Kramer, who organized Women for America First, and this is the group that um, planned the rally on the White House ellipse, had purchased these quote-unquote burner phones on this March for Trump bus tour. And they were using these, they said, allegedly, to communicate with high-level White House officials and also with members of the Trump family, including Eric and Lara Trump. Um, And March for Trump was this bus tour um, that took place around the country protesting the election in its immediate aftermath. Um, And one of the incidents that I heard about was that the March for Trump tour bus, which was emblazoned with this giant photo of the former president, um, wanted to park right in front of his hotel in Las Vegas. And the hotel told them, you know, you, you can't do that, um, you know, both, I think, because, you know, that was an entrance way and also because it was political. Um, and they said, you really can't do that unless you get a member of the Trump family on the phone. Um, according to my sources, they did. And I've actually seen pictures um, showing the bus, you know, with special cones around it parked right out in front of that hotel. Um, so, you know, the, the long answer to your question, I guess, is there was there was a lot of high level coordination. But, you know, I, I think it's important for people to remember and you can already sort of hear it in my answer. There wasn't just one January 6th. Right. There were multiple events and groups that sort of 
brought things together um, to the violent end that we saw that day. So, for example, Women for America First was related to March for Trump. Uh, the Kramers were involved with both. Um, that included this nationwide March for Trump tour ending in the Women for America First rally on the ellipse. Then you had Ali Alexander's quote unquote wild protest, which took place right next to the Capitol on January 6th. He held his own nationwide tour to stop the steal. Those were kind of the four major things. And we already knew prior to anything I wrote, I always make this clear, the White House was involved. And why do I say that? Because President Trump spoke on the stage at the Woman for America First event. And in fact, one of the pivotal moments, uh, as my sources put it, was when he, in the final 120 words of his over-hour-long speech, called on people to march to the Capitol. Um, so we always knew there was some heavy degree of White House involvement. Um, what my stories have done, I think, is started to tell people how far back that went and exactly what it looked like. Yeah, these these various entities that sort of sprung up to Voltron-like form the January 6th insurrection, did, did they did they spring up separately? This was every everybody just independently being inspired to come to DC that day and do it? Or, or was this more coordinated than that? Or is that one of the outstanding questions? Mm -hmm. So what you'll see is there are sort of common figures um, through a few of these things. Um, so, for example, you know, Amy and Kylie Kramer, these people who, um, you know, cut their teeth in the Tea Party movement were involved in both March for Trump and Women for America First. Um, at the Ellipse rally, President Trump spoke. Um, obviously, White House staff, you know, was involved in his presence there. Um, the Ellipse rally also featured on stage Madison Cawthorn and Mo Brooks. Meanwhile, the wild protest, which actually did not go on as planned due to the violence, um, that was billed as featuring several members of Congress, I believe, including Paul Gosar and Lauren Boebert. Meanwhile, two of my sources who've come forward and gone on record say um, Gosar offered them a quote unquote blanket pardon right. um, in this other matter. We build the wall. Now, that's a group that Dustin Stockton and Jennifer Lawrence, these two sources, and I can name them because they did agree to go on record. Um, they were involved in this group. Steve Bannon was involved in this group. They raised over $25 million, erected over three miles of barriers along the southern border. Um, Bannon and others, not including Dustin and Jennifer, ended up getting charged. Um, the accusation was essentially that they had allegedly um, said they were not going to get paid and paid themselves lavishly out of this donor money, right? Mm -hmm. So these folks are getting charged. The same day they're charged, this is in August 2020, Dustin and Jen have this RV they're living in in the desert raided by this obscure like investigative unit of the U.S. Postal Service, okay? Um, so they have essentially- This is where I feel, like, I feel like the writers are going too far. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's a lot, and I'm sorry to everything is so convoluted, but you know, they were living in legal fear that day. And then Trump, you know, in the final days of his presidency, pardons Steve Bannon. But according to the two of them, uh, in December 2020, while they are on this March for Trump bus tour, they get a call from Paul Gosar and his chief of staff, uh, Tom Van Fleen. 
And they said that Van Fleen allegedly told them, you know, we were just in the Oval with Trump talking about pardons and your name came up. I'm I'm roughly paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. And they say that Gosar, you know, heavily implied to them that, you know, their work protesting the election was going to encourage Trump to potentially pardon them. And, you know, he said something along the lines of everyone sees the good work you're doing and keep it up. And they've put a really fine point on this for me um, and said, you know, Gosar supported their work on the border. He would have pursued the pardon anyway, but they got the strong impression from that call that Trump, you know, would be more likely to do it because they were participating in the election protests. What's amazing about this is Gosar has completely denied this. He denied it when the story first came out before they were on record. And without knowing their names, he said, I've never met these people, which I thought was super interesting. (laughs) He issued a statement because it was in Rolling Stone calling it, quote, stone cold propaganda. That is a direct quote. Oh, burn. And when I published the second story where they did go on record, I revealed that not only had Paul Gosar met him, but we had a fo- met them, but we had a photo of the three of them why, standing why together. Why is that every time you hear a man say, I have <laughs> never met them, there is a photo. <laughs> well, in this photo, not only were the three of them standing together smiling, but it was on the ellipse on January 6th. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that's just that's that okay. So so these two so these two people, Stockton and and Lawrence, are are a little disillusioned, we should say, at this point. Are are they are they disillusioned because the pardon did not materialize, or are they disillusioned because they realized that Joe Biden was elected president and they were trying to undermine democracy in an illegal coup? Well, well, you know, once again, this is a bit of a longer story. And I should say, just to go back to your first question. Um, oh, yeah, we're coming back things, to the burner phones. <laughs> well, well, so they are separate sources from the burner phones. Right. That's something I want to make really, really clear. Yes. Um, one, Amy and but, Kylie, burner phones, Dustin and Jen, disillusioned riot organizers. And, and pardons, essentially. And, and yes. they maintain that they were not riot organizers. And I should say, I've seen a lot of the planning text messages from January 6th. Um, And I've also seen some leaked documents that I published on my newsletter. The ellipse rally featured security procedures. You were not allowed to bring weapons in there. So I was actually at the Capitol on January 6th. I saw things like one man carrying an ax handle um, with a small paper American flag taped to it as though he was like, hiding it like it was a flag, but it was clearly a blunt object. Um, People carrying flagpoles that had no flags on them or had the flags stripped off them. Um, You know, people who'd clearly brought a variety of blunt objects. Um, I've also explored again on my newsletter how police records show, despite blatant lies from some GOP members of Congress, that people in the crowd did have guns. But Dustin Lawrence and Jen Stockton, who were involved in this bus tour and helped plan the Ellipse rally, maintained that, you know, the plan for the Ellipse rally was to keep everyone on the Ellipse. And it was actually when Trump ad-libbed those lines, allegedly, Mm. about marching to the Capitol, and I should say this matches other reporting, that it turned into a charge on the Capitol. Um, You know, so they, you know, they maintained that this was not supposed to be violent. Um, And in fact, some of their disillusionment started when Trump made that call for people to march to the Capitol. And, and I was very clear in my reporting on Dustin and Jen. You know, these are people who went around the country promoting election misinformation. They've, they've by their own admission, engaged in sort of 
mischievous, dirty tricks for Steve Bannon when they worked on the quote unquote special projects desk for Breitbart. So, you know, you, you got to take what they're saying with a grain of salt. But at the same time, you know, as with the Gosar situation, I'm looking for documentary evidence. And I can tell you, I've looked through at least hundreds of text messages um, from planning groups. And the Ellipse Rally group did seem to be at least slightly dismayed by Ali Alexander's protest on the side of the Capitol. According to Dustin and Jen, this is because he has a lot of ties to militant groups and they didn't think people who were that angry should be right outside the building that day. Um, And again, there's a little bit of supporting evidence for this. I should say that Ali says he was not involved in any violence. However, he does also say, I I, I put myself through the Tucker Carlson, you know, (laughs) propaganda doc and it's heavily featuring him um and he says in that documentary that it's the trump campaign um that actually called him on the ellipse and said hey can you lead some people over to the capitol Um, wow so that's a blockbuster claim he's also testified in front of the committee but you know your first question to me was about coordination with the white house and i should say that meadows is alleged to have communicated on these burner phones now of course did he know what device people were calling him on? That I don't know. But, you know, allegedly he was talking to the Kramers. Um, but also Dustin and Jen say that Amy Kramer claimed she was bringing the concerns about potential violence with the wild protest directly to Meadows. It's unclear if that conversation happened. Dustin and Jen say she told them it would. But clearly even if Meadows was aware of potential violence, that rally did go on right outside the building. Okay, so so real quick on, on the burner <laughs> phones, I have definitely been involved in the coordination of a campaign event, and occasionally one needs to call a principal in charge because the person who is in charge of the venue did not get the memo about the things that need to happen for the event to take place. That in and of itself, you know, you get to the hotel and they're like, you can't park your bus here. Crap. Now I got to call the senator like that in and of itself is not at all abnormal. I have made those kinds of phone calls many, many, many times. I have done them on my own phone (laughs) because I am not concerned about anybody learning about those phone calls because there's nothing wrong with those phone calls. So why burner phones? Why would they be buying burner phones in order to coordinate a a a pro president rally with with Eric Trump like why would that be necessary so you know that's a really really good question Jess and you know just for any of your readers who who might not have watched the wire um <laughs> you know burner phones are essentially a colloquial term um for any device be it a boost mobile or a metro pcs or a supermarket track phone um that you can purchase you know with a card in it without having, you know, a plan. So so theoretically, these phones are less traceable to you because, you know, even if people see the activity on the towers or whatever, they are not traceable back to your individual account. So burner phones are, are typically purchased by people who are worried about surveillance um, or engaging in illicit activities. I should say they're, they're also purchased by people, you know, who have credit issues and other financial issues who cannot, you know, participate in the normal um, cell phone account system. So, you know, what's interesting about the purchase of burner phones, these are a perfectly legal device, but theoretically, especially along with witness testimony, you know, they can be used to 
show that people may have known certain things they were doing were illegal. Um, according to the source I spoke with, you know, uh, the Kramers, uh, Kylie Kramer specifically wanted those phones, um, you know, for the high level sensitive conversations with the White House and members of the Trump family. Um so the burner phones, you know, it's a pretty key detail. Uh, I'm going to choose my words a little carefully here because I don't want to mm-hmm. fully scoop myself, but I can say, you know, I know it's a question the January 6th committee is looking into. Um, this may be a more difficult thing for them to trace beyond um, witness testimony. But, you know, in my story, I outlined broadly specific dates and regions where these phones may have been per- purchased. So, you know, I know it's something the committee has taken an interest in. And, you know, if the allegations I've heard from multiple sources are correct, they may actually be able to substantiate this, even though, you know, the burner phones were used, allegedly. Allegedly. I was excited to talk to you this morning, um, not just about this, but because there was some news yesterday and I wanted to get your take on it. I've been waiting for the committee to talk about the participation of current lawmakers because that's the piece that scares me the most. They are still in power. They are still deciding yes or no on issues of national security and um, you know the domestic safety net and all kinds of things that speak to like the strength of our country. So if they were also involved in the weakening of our country, I would like to know that and I would like them to no longer be able to be in control of those kinds of decisions. So we learned yesterday that the House committee is is taking the, the, the first public step to try to get information from any of these Republican members of Congress. And they're sending a letter to Representative Scott Perry, who's the chair of the House Freedom Caucus, uh, asking him to meet with investigators and turn over his communications during that day and the build up to it. So uh, do you get the sense that the January 6th committee is is intending to focus not just on the people who are outside of the building, but more on the lawmakers inside the building who may have been um, instrumental in what happened? Well, let me let me flip my 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 typical approach in this one, just because I know these answers have been you know, there's a lot going on here. And I'll, I'll, you need I'll a glossary. Short. It's like a Lord of the Rings situation. Like you got to have the cast of characters that you can flip to in the front of the book before you go back and read the rest of the chapter. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do the short answer first and then I'll go into the backstory. Please. The answer is that absolutely the January 6th committee is looking at, you know, what happened with members of Congress that day. Um, and, you know, um, I want to be clear when we talk about the January 6th committee, this is a congressional committee. They can, as we've seen in these contempt instances, make criminal charge referrals to the Justice Department. But the committee looking at something does not mean, you know, that they can drag someone around in cuffs or what have you. So far, we've seen that the Justice Department has been willing to act on those contempt referrals. It remains to be seen whether they will make other types of criminal referrals and whether the Justice Department will take those up as well. So I just want to, you know, really set expectations and be clear for your listeners. But there will be televised hearings uh, and a report coming out. And I, I... absolutely believe that will contain information about activities of members of Congress. Uh, Now, you said, you know, the people inside the building and people outside the building. I also want to be clear, and we alluded to it earlier in this conversation. Some of the members of Congress were with the people outside the building. Right. Uh, As I noted, Gosar was on the ellipse. He was scheduled to be part of the wild protest. Madison Cawthorn was 
on the ellipse on stage. Mo Brooks was on the ellipse on stage. So again, and I really think this is important. I'm happy people are reacting to my reporting. I think it's really helping detail precisely what happened here. But the most important thing is that we all remember what we saw with our own eyes on live TV that day. And members of Congress were involved. They were involved on the House floor where Gosar and others led objections to the free and fair election. And they were involved in these rallies where people were protesting the election. They were involved in the March for Trump and Stop for Steal events in the lead up to that day. Right. Right. But what I have, you know, been able to find in my reporting is that, you know, according to Dustin and Jen, members of Congress participated in, quote, dozens of what they described as planning briefings that day where they were sort of coordinating their appearances in these rallies, discussing members of Congress and their staffs discussing, you know, potential locations for these rallies to ideally put pressure on members of Congress who were not supporting overturning the election. you know, planning speaking at these events. So they were intimately involved. And this is a case where I have seen a little bit of documentary evidence um, because apparently uh, Madison Cawthorn was speaking to some of these people on Instagram DMs. And that was sort of how his speech got planned. And I know that's been handed over to the committee. um, And they are looking at that as well. Man, that is the most millennial thing I have ever heard about Madison (laughs) Cawthorn. I have friends I fully only talk to via Instagram DMs. That's like the first relatable thing I've heard about him. Um, Okay. So, so if this, if, if we have all of these planning meetings for all of these rallies and the pivotal moment that changes them from a rally to support Donald Trump to a violent insurrection is Donald Trump on stage saying, let's go to the Capitol. What, what do we know about him saying that it, I've heard it was ad-libbed. It was the, like you said, at the end of a very long speech, um, do we have any insight into his thinking before he said that? If if anybody knew that that was planned, because I've also heard that there were already people heading to the Capitol by the time he said it. So let me just, um, you know, pivot back for one quick second. Um, you know, you said the, the you know, I believe it was a records request or subpoena involving um, Congressman Perry yes. was, was the first time the committee went after a member of Congress. That is not entirely true. Um, because before I even reported any of this stuff, uh, and I think the first story was in like October um, about Paul Gosar and the alleged pardon offer, um, the committee had named Tom Van Fleen, his chief of staff, who, right. uh, according to Dustin and Jen, was involved in that. They had named Tom Van Fleen in one of their records requests. And at the time, he was the first congressional staffer. Um, that was publicly associated with this investigation that way. So, so we've we've had multiple indications of their interest. Um, in terms of this 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 question with what Trump said, um, it's Michael Wolf um, who reported in his book that you know Trump's remarks were ad libbed. Um, you know the same way I say with Dustin and Jen. You know Michael Wolf has you know by his own admission you know taken a loose approach to fact checking, um, mm-hmm. and so I don't. I wouldn't consider that fully confirmed, but also, you know, lots Dustin, of Trump ad libs were planned. Ad li- I mean, build the wall was an ad lib almost every time he said it. It doesn't mean that he wasn't intending to say it. So I spent the entire Trump administration as a White House correspondent. I'm sorry. Um, and I was there for so many of his speeches. And, you know, one thing I liked to do was try to read the teleprompter um, mm-hmm. and see when he was going off script 
or read the prepared remarks and see when he was going off script. Um, typically, and I'm sure you know, you know this, Jess, from all of your work over the years. You know, sometimes with speeches, there are multiple drafts. And so right. someone can be reading something off a draft that's slightly ad-libbed from the prepared remarks that went off to the press or what's on the teleprompter. So, you know, it's unclear, you know, how and when exactly, you know, that segment got in. And I say segment, I mean, this was an over hour long speech. And we're really talking about the final 120 words where Trump, you know, told people to march to the Capitol. I should say, based on footage and and by Ali Alexander's own admission, Ali Alexander and the conspiracy theorist Alex Jones were both present at the ellipse and actually started marching people over to the Capitol. There were some people who were already there due to the planned wild protest. Um, And again, Alexander, who has his own slew of credibility issues, has said that the Trump campaign called him and told him to do that. So there's a lot of questions. It's a very fluid situation with sort of how did this go from a rally at the ellipse to a march and a call to go to the Capitol? I can tell you that this very question is a focal point for the January 6th committee. And we are going to be watching their work very, very closely next year. And also yours. Thank you for all of your reporting. I hope that you get all of the the rest and and recuperation that you need after living through not just January 6th, but the year that followed it. Hunter Walker, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thanks so much. And if I, if I can just close, I'll just Please. say, you know, I was there that day. And that is why I have been so devoted to reporting on this. It was very clear to me how serious this situation was and that this was a violent attack on our democracy. I'm not sure that, you know, we've paid enough attention to it or that that's been made clear to everybody who wasn't there. And, And all I will say to people is we really need to pay attention to this. We really need to investigate exactly precisely what happened that day, because every historical analog we have for something like this, the mm-hmm. violent storming of a seat of government is extremely dark. And, you know, we, we, we laugh at the details of this. I do, too. It's, it's, it's you have to laugh along with it. But it is deadly serious stuff, literally. And I'm so glad you're making your audience pay attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for uh, everything that you do to shine a light on this. Thanks for having me. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.